Well, Matt Ray, I have started eating yogurt for breakfast. Oh, and yeah. I know you are a big yogurt aficionado. And let me tell you, my only advanced yogurt uh, moves, and I'm telling you this because I want you to tell me your sort of like, you know, next level yogurt scenarios here. One, uh, my wife, Kim, she makes homemade vanilla where you get basically, I think I've gone over this sometime over the like eight or nine years that we've podcasted. Uh, she gets actual vanilla beans and you put them into uh, vodka. And I think she got, I don't remember if it's, it might have been Ukrainian vodka that she got last time. This is several years ago. But you put it into vodka and you let it sit there for a month or so. And then boom, you've got vanilla extract. And you also have like a, a tasty alcoholic beverage if you oh, sure. can stomach it. However, so I will get the, the Sky, the Icelandic uh, vanilla yogurt. Maybe I'll put some of that, uh, a little too much of that, that, um, that vanilla extract in there which is delicious. So it's, it's like double vanilla. And I've started putting, and by starting, I mean yesterday and today, I, I slice up a bunch of prunes to put in there, which I feel like this qualifies me as perhaps a retiree, but I like prunes. I mean, they're good. Wow. Wow. But I want to wow. ask you, Matt Ray, so like, what is your, what's your yogurt science? What do you do for that? Uh, I'm typically a, a Greek yogurt uh, mm. eater. Um, not a lot of Icelandic yogurt over here, but... Uh, I, I that would be a yogurt. long plane ride for the uh, exactly. yogurt. I, I'm, yeah. yeah. So uh, Greek yogurt, uh, usually um, a handful of some kind of fruit. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, right now, a lot of stuff's out of season. Um, so raspberries, I guess. Um, you know, uh-huh. Sometimes blueberries when they're in season, uh, strawberries. Uh, and then usually uh, a bit of almonds, um, like some dry almonds. roasted almonds, yeah. I like. A now, little do you bit slice of... those up, or are you, we talking nah. whole almonds here? Crushed? I, I, I just the whole, the whole, whole um, almonds. Oh my god, I can't imagine having like the soft, luscious taste taste of like yogurt, and all of a sudden you got this big <laughs> rock in your mouth that you got to chew. I don't know how big your almonds are, but mine are, are just right. And, and and the 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 dry roasted ones, so they're they're not huh. salted. But, oh, sure, sure. Um, it takes they're a little crunchier, mm. less because mm. uh, the the raw ones are a little, maybe a little more not rock like, but you know they have a lot more give to them. So, they're, they're, and then, they're kind of like like a rock that's has a bunch of like um, uh, what's that green stuff moss over it, like like little chewy. Sure, uh, maybe you're going getting the wrong kinds of almonds. Um, <laughs> and then and then I usually go with like a, a granola or a muesli uh, without uh-huh. fruit. Um, wow. Okay. So handful of fruit and basically some, some muesli. Some, some fruit, okay. some nuts, and uh, some, some muesli or, uh, you know, granola. Um, but uh, lately, lately I have switched over to, they have some um, uh, yogurts that have a swirl of fruit in them. Mm, and so, sure. uh, you know, I, I've been, you know, cheating and just getting those because, you know, they're super sweet. And, yeah. um uh, right now, I'm having uh, blood orange and mango. So, oh, uh, let, let let me guess. When you go to the uh, the shop or whatever they call it over there, uh, you get you get your uh, your yogurt with a swirl of fruit that's sweet. They must call that the American yogurt. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. They, you know, the they've got a lot of choices, and a lot of them are are definitely Australian because you know passion mm. fruit and and uh, and mangoes aren't something you usually get. Too much of in the U.S. Is it all, uh, you know, fresh cut no, fruit? Because I was no. just saying that it feels like that feels like it's it's, it's approaching dessert. Well, yeah, it doesn't seem like yeah. that would be your thing. It seems like you're more, you know, I'm gonna. It's so tasty. Yeah, 
Well, the sugar, like, yeah. Well, that's just saying sugar. Sugar is good with yeah. everything, right? So, yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm, I can get behind sugar. If you put enough uh, sugar in and you call it a go-gurt, I'm all in, man. Yeah. And then just then we're just <laughs> one step away from a milkshake. Yeah. <laughs> Well, don't right, get me well, started on milkshakes in this country. So, I, I, so I, th- I think no. that I think that's the uh, that's the thing with the yogurt is you want to have basically some fruit or sort of like dried fruit sort of thing. Now, let me ask you one more question: Are you putting like honey in there no. or something like that? No honey. No. Mm. Okay. Well, I'm gonna have to consider that uh, that choice. Now, that's now what speaking the are for speaking of putting honey in things, uh, I think this past week, New Relic. Is some honey that got got put into a private equity firm, if if I recall. No, it's under. Uh, Has it happened? Yeah, it's under discussion. They're, oh, sure. You know, okay. The Sorry. Uh, the Sorry. announcement of their of someone's considering uh, buying them has come out, which means they're probably going to be bought. It's it's under consideration, which I think has has given us the opportunity here to once again consider the application performance monitoring uh, market and uh, see what's going on there, which which is fine and. Brandon, you did some great work uh, looking up a magic quadrant uh, to kind of see everyone that's on the board of APM. And, you know, I have to admit, I I think maybe a little bit like yourself, if, uh, you know, when we were kind of going over this, I was, I I didn't realize there's so much going on in this space. For as much as we talk about it, there are a lot of dots on that magic quadrant. Uh, Unlike the infrastructure as a service magic quadrant, I don't think they're going to be able to retire this one soon. Because there no, is this is a, a tremendous this is quite vibrant on. one, and I thought what we do, I wanted to do, I did do a little work because I feel like, oh man, there's lots of stuff to go in here. So I, I figured I'd uh, uh, kind of give you my take, and then I was hopefully to get like an instant react from both of you on. Uh, mm. I don't know if we can, you know, patent this as the software defined talk magic quadrant review, right? This is the official review of the magic quadrant because that's really where I, that's the space that I want to own. Um, but like, you know, everybody probably knows, like, you know, like all good magic quadrants, they never want to declare a true leader, right? That's mm. the first thing with about magic quadrant is you always want to have two dots that are very hard to distinguish to say who's leading by having one higher on each access. So, but I think it's clear to me, the clear number one winner of the magic quadrant is, is Datadog, right? Like Datadog mm-hmm. is the company that launched like a million SaaS businesses, they're worth $30 billion. Uh, it's pretty much the business everybody talks about right before they start an enterprise SaaS business. And I thought the nugget here, like to Gardner's credit, they they must have known about the Coinbase thing before because under one of the things they talk about was uh, enterprise pricing flexibility. And they says, quote, some Gardner clients in procurement, particularly those negotiating large enterprise deals with Datadog, have expressed frustration when dealing with Datadog account team. So I feel like that was written specifically for the Coinbase account, right? So when you uh, have a sixty-four billion or sixty-four million dollar bill or whatever it was, uh, that that lets you know that they're hard negotiators. But like, I don't know. Is there any? Would you agree, Matt? Is Datadog the the undisputed leader of this magic quadrant? Would you go a different way? No, I mean that that's the uh, the first thing people say. Um, you know, obviously. Um, obviously there are a lot of other people making money <laughs> in this space, but, uh, you know, Datadog has become kind of the shorthand for, you know, SaaS monitoring and it doesn't mean that's who you're going to end up with, but it's probably where a lot of folks start. And, and so, um, I'm, I'm kind of like, you know, clicking around at, at some of their, uh, uh, some of their competitors to see like, you know, well, how big, you know, how big is, is Dynatrace? How big is New Relic? And, uh, it sounds like, 
you know, New Relic is getting bought for a fraction of Datadog's valuation. So, uh, yeah. So clearly- as of uh, the time of this recording, Datadog's worth roughly thirty billion dollars, and New Relic is worth about five billion dollars. Now, Oof. we don't want to skip over Dynatrace here, so we'll give Dynatrace because Dynatrace is, I guess, they would position themselves as a co-leader, right? Because they're very, very close to the Datadog one. I would be like, I honestly. I hate to say this, it's like, had no idea they were this high. Like when I looked it up, I, I made me rethink, you know, I like this whole past few weeks, it's just me rethinking everything about monitoring. Everything I thought I knew, I, I don't know. Of course, the real leader of monitoring is Nagios, but that will never make it on the Magic Quadrant. That's a topic for another day. We won't, we won't uh, get into that deal. But Dynatrace, uh, Cote, has just the most fantastic uh, Gardner nugget. Their nugget was, uh, uh, quote, uh, they have the Davis data units usage. So it says something along these lines. Since last year, Dynatrace contracts include a separate price light item for its OPID ingestion, which it terms Davis data units. Uh, And then it goes on to say that, of course, people find this confusing. So Kote, I I nominate you to explain to the audience, what is a Davis data unit from Dynatrace? Well, I did a little bit of research because because I saw this. And and let me tell you what a what uh, a, I can't do math this fast, but they provide a formula that says a DDU is now. Now you might want to get out a pen and paper, listeners, so you can write this down, or get your drafts app open so you can type it in. But one metric data point times sixty minutes times twenty four hours, so that's a day. Wait, is that a day? Sixty minutes times twenty four. Yeah, okay. I think this is already confusing because is 24 hours, does that mean that that is 24 times 60? Or are they saying 60 times 24 to equal the total amount of minutes that you're going to have? This already tells me they've lost, right? This to me is the height of craziness of a vendor. Okay, so so good. Go on. Good, Good footnote. Okay, let me start over again. One metric data point times 60 minutes times 24H, which I take to mean hours, times 365 days, unambiguous, times 0.001 equals 5.25.6 DDUs per metric per a year, I think. <laughs> I I think I know what the, the, the thinking there is like, a lot of the workloads are ephemeral, so they're coming and going. You're paying by the volume. Yes. By the volume of metrics. Right, right. I, I just, I, I feel like there's a, a number missing here in the spreadsheet, which is the amount of money they told Wall Street they would make this quarter. <laughs> and and so like, and that's why you end, anytime I see a number that's like 0.6, I'm like, ah, right. There was another number that was more of like a rounded whole number. And you had to figure out these things. And therefore, it, it like results in some strange like, overly precise number like 5.25.5256 right which indicates to me that there's a number missing here that like if we were to run it through the spreadsheet it, it would make sense now i mean i i guess and and it's, it points us out in the the documents we're all familiar because we have children uh with the the curse of buying coins for a game so that you kind of like hide yourself <laughs> from the exact amount of money that you yeah, got yeah yeah and and I feel like I feel, we should have come up with this at BMC and maybe at Boundary and Zenos, you two could have done this. But like 
we should have come up with the concept of coins for monitoring or oh, gems yeah. or whatever, yeah. right? And you buy these coins ahead of time. You go to the grocery store, buy yourself like a uh, like an Apple iTunes card, just cash it in for coins, Roblox well, or whatever. Well, you, you, but, you go to HEB, you get yourself some buddy bucks, and you can exchange them for Nagios. Exactly. I mean, in order to, to like monitor infrastructure, you need buddy bucks uh, <laughs> is essentially what we're looking at here, which now I get it, right? Like I think in reading through this, it actually like makes – sense on both sides that like you know when i go abroad uh here the the vodafone netherlands isn't as good as at&t where you pay ten dollars a day i think just to have like your own at&t u.s domestic access i forget what it is but it's incredibly reasonable and simple right the vodafone thing is like all right here's the deal you can do nothing and pay a lot of money, or you can pay for this package that's like 30 euros, and you can go up to 100 megs, and after 100 megs of data will cut you off or something like that. Like, it's just ridiculous. And and so, like, I guess what this is doing is, like, giving you some wiggle room with a ceiling to it uh, about the amount of monitoring you're doing in case you get, like, super successful in your like, you know, putting hats on cats or pictures of sandwiches or blue sky or whatever you're doing. And like, you want to say like, I don't want to spend that much. I don't want to be like the $60 million uh, that, that the coin people spent with Datadog. So like, that's cool. But like this formula is like a little out of control. I, I got to say, like it could be, maybe they could just say like, tell us how much money you want to spend and we'll cap you off at that. Well, I, I, I could see that, the, you know, normalizing disparate types of monitoring into one unit is i guess what they're trying to do and so then mm. you can just say like well you know logging and you know logs from this and metrics from that and eventually everything becomes these davis units we pay by the davis unit yeah sure but you can hide a lot of stuff in there it's like when you get that you know it's like when you get your cloud bill and you're like you know, $1,500 a month sounds, sounds reasonable. Then when you look in there, you're like, why is it, you know, uh, you know, why is it a, a gateway that's a thousand dollars in my bill? Right. You know, that you're like, that part's ridiculous. How did well, you hide that's the part that I think kind of just rubs me the wrong way. It's like, I don't know. I think if you just start at like the most first principles, like if you're going to sit down with a, as soon as you have an account rep and we're going to agree that we're going to actually sit down and work out some agreement, like the way most of this works is the company's going to have some budget set aside for monitoring. It's not going to be zero, but it's not going to be what you want. And vice versa, like, million. Yeah. And the company, and in this case, the company's obviously has to make a margin on the monitoring. And it just feels like, you know, that's how these deals are going to get done. Right. You kind of like want to figure out, it's like, okay, we, we're willing to pay about this. You know, and we believe this should cover generally the the monitoring that we want. And both sides can have kind of like a stopgap, right? In there, a stop, kind of like a stop loss in there. It's like, okay, wait a minute. Mm-hmm. Like, if we suddenly need to monitor a lot more, we would like to come back to the table and renegotiate, and vice versa. If we determine that, you know, oh, it, your cost um, to actually hold all this monitored data is out of whack, let's let's have a call there, right? It just doing all this work up front and creating all this like Davis data units, and then like as you guys were kind of joking, it's like whether it's like a video game coin or like bitcoin it's just like you just end up doing a lot of math kind of for the, you know, to, to kind of a, agree on a number you already are working towards right and it's just like if you can't create a product that sort of like works within that range i think you're like i don't know like to me you're definitely not going to win the magic quadrant i'm definitely going to put you like lower down that would be well, my uh characterization of it well may- maybe to uh close out our uh our uh 
rabbit holing on Dynatrace here when we want to talk about New Relic. Now, Matt Ray, I'm imagining you're going to be at KubeCon Chicago, you know, uh, yep. staffing the open cost booth. Yep. Someone's going to walk up to you and say, like, what's the difference between open cost and kube cost? And, you know, yep. you'll give, you'll give your, your speech and they'll say, like, now does open cost, uh, does that monitor Davis data units? And you'll say, like, <laughs> no, but kube cost does. No, no. <laughs> no, you'll say, no, but we're looking for uh, people to contribute that. Uh, uh, Davis. Oh, that's true. Because you'll be following the policy. You'll just have to be like, I don't know. We don't but isn't cover it, it. Isn't it just something that gets normalized to a billing unit? I mean, mm. okay. Yes. I, 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 I think Davis units, like, it's like saying dollars. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, well, I guess, well, I guess no, so. Like no, no, it's not like that at all. It's, it's like saying Davis's. Abstract. Yeah, it's 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 a volume of measurement for monitoring, and you know that you know it, 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 the equivalent turns into dollars on your contract. You know, it's like we bought three thousand Davis units. That's mm. what people are doing with it. Yeah. Well, more importantly, going forward, I think we've coined the phrase that we will be using for this model going forward. It's going to be called the HEB Buddy Bucks uh, pricing methodology. <laughs> so congratulations to the industry. I'll be including that in my follow-up to this Magic Quadrant. But as Cote was alluding to, New Relic is really why we started this whole conversation. Yeah. <laughs> they are officially third. It's a clear third, too. I don't think there's like, they're like right in the middle. Like they're like, you know, if you will, halfway to leader and halfway distancing themselves from kind of the other ones. But I think they must get up every day and just curse Datadog like for, for two to three hours. The CEO of New Relic must be so incredibly pissed. Here they are, very, very close, as Gardner would say. But Datadog, by my calculations, is six times more valuable. So I would think it's just a lot of unhappiness at New Relic. And it's just a lot of like walking around in a circle at, you know, asking yourself like, but wait a minute, we have all the same monitoring data too. We're just as good. Why do we have to go to the private equity farm in the sky? Why can't we continue to be out here and make tons of money and have lots of stock options? Why do we have to go uh, learn the standard operating procedures and margin and, you know, QBRs? Why can't we just have fun as a public company? But hey, you know, that's how it is in life. I don't know, Matt, what are your thoughts? Well, I, to me, this is, you know, you should, this is like going to the Olympics of monitoring. At least you're standing on the podium, right? Mm. At least you're, you know, at least you're out there getting your bronze. I mean, there's, there's a lot of companies in this, uh, in this, this. But it's uh, like getting a bronze and then immediately being like, well, we have to retire you. You're like a horse. You're like, you didn't make it. We have to send you. Yeah, to but those horses that retire, they're retired to a good thing. <laughs> These are they're, they're, no. We won't take it. I, I, that, that can go a whole different. The podcast go a whole different ways. So I'm gonna. I mean, I mean, they're not being they're not being put down like you know the ones who can't finish the race. It's mm-hmm. like you know this is the, you know we're not we're not euthanizing you if you come in fourth. No, that's true. Uh, You're still you know, gonna cost some money. There's a lot of vi- vibrant companies in this this scrap who are making money. Yeah, they're yeah, making customers okay. happy. You, they're you generating did. alerts. They're keeping yeah. people up in the middle of the night. I like hey, it. yeah. Kote, you did some work here, so you actually went out to another source. So why don't you walk us through? Because I think you, your source tells kind of a different story of New Relic. So what, what does IDC have to say about this? Ah, uh, yes. Well, so I I, uh, I I went and looked up the IDC, um, what would you call it? Sort of like market share and market analysis of the application performance management software. Now, IDC, as all analysts, well, not all analysts, 451 is a little squiggly on this kind of stuff, but like... IDC is extremely precise in their definitions of markets, right? So everything I'm about to say, be aware that this is their application performance management 
market. Now, if you were to say, what is the log management market or what is the monitoring market? Those might be, I didn't actually look this up, but those might be completely separate things, right? So within the category of APM, what they have to say is that the ranking is you've got Dynatrace, it's got 12.6% of a $6.5 billion a year market. And then you have Cisco App Dynamics at 12.0%. Thanks for the precision. Love it. And then you go down. Third place is New Relic at 11.4%. Now, what they estimate is that New Relic's take of, again, the $6.5 billion market. Now, this is 2021 share. So add, let's say, mm, a 15% CAGR on that. I, again, I can't do the math without a spreadsheet, so it's gone up. Let's just say 6.8 to $7 billion is what you would say that you would forward project the market is to. I don't know if that's right. I'm no Charlie Munger or whatever. <laughs> uh, but like, you know, it's they're saying that in 2021, their estimate is, again, of the APM market, New Relic had 743.0. Again, love the precision. Uh, like million of that market. And then it goes up again to uh, Cisco's AppDynamics and Dynatrace there. So a little bit like different than the Magic Quadrant. Again, this is rated the Magic Quadrant. And correct me if I'm wrong here. Uh, the uh, X-axis up and down is ability to execute, which X- now that I think yep. of it is yep. like, I love that phrase, ability to execute. Like that is the way, and and then the other, the other, the uh, right to left, the completeness, y, yeah, the Y matrix is uh, vision, right? Mm-hmm. So I I always assume vision is like sounds like they're going to be doing cool stuff or like trendy or whatever. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. like the magic quadrant doesn't necessarily well, you would know better than I would, Brandon. It doesn't necessarily rate purely on revenue. Although I'm pretty sure ability, yeah, to, ability execute to execute means make about, money. Yeah. It's a very good proxy to to revenue. Yeah. I think you're generally, and that's why I think you see Datadog. And you know, it's worth noting in uh, and again, you've you've kind of outlined why that Datadog is not repre- unless I missed it is not represented. It, it's actually the- like if you look at the full report, it's uh, huh? it's further down, and they so, have Datadog has two point eight percent of yeah. the so uh, this, the market. They're you know, I guess this is the nuance between analyst firms. I guess they're saying or Datadog is, or the analyst is saying that they're in a slightly different market, right? Cause they're not yes. including all of the revenue. Of course, I think for all of us, no, this is all just one big market. I don't care what everyone says. It's all one. You can call it whatever you want, but you're all just part of monitoring. Right. So, right. And, and, and as, as your, uh, your cloud of judgment buddy might say like, I, yeah, whatever it's, it's <laughs> like, it's all like I buy this stock. I buy that stock. That's what the market it's is. Right. Jammer right? Bell like, has a whole nother set of uh, magic quadrants, which he calls multiples, which is just, you know, cut and dry. It doesn't, uh, it doesn't, uh, play favorite. So, so I don't know, Matt, maybe we should just, what can you tell as someone that maybe has experience, maybe doesn't like as the new relic group sales off uh, or, or, you know, or takes, well, I guess we can turn on with our farm metaphor as they head out to the private equity farm. <laughs> um, you, you've already told them the this so bad. Any, anything else, any other uh, words of wisdom to them? Enjoy the ride, that kind of thing. Well, I mean, if you're, if you're a new relic customer, that's that's where you have to start looking at this because it's like, you know, private equity usually means that your prices are going to go up, um, and you know, it, it, it's kind of a race to them reaping the money of of the sale and you know, getting getting revenue out of the existing customers while the product withers on the vine. Um, 
unfortunately, that feels like the private equity story to someone who's lived it. Um, and, or versus, you know, well, you know, what's Datadog got to offer? I mean, because right. if, if you are a competitor in this space, you know that you've got spiffs around conversions. You know, you yeah. you, you got to be you got to be going to your sales team and telling them, hey, you know, we'll give you you know seventy five Davis nickels on the on the buck, <laughs> and and uh, you know we'll give you you know two year upfront bonuses on your on on your pricing just to switch people off. Um, so you're training up your sales engineers to have you know good conversion conversations and. Uh, you go after the new relics customers. That's right. And we say, enjoy the farm. And we'll, it'll be fun, at least at the beginning. It's really fun. Now, speaking of everyone's favorite private equity firm, um, let's talk about IBM. So IBM has uh, bought... It's, Are they it's, on the chart? Uh, no, it's... Uh, no, well, I was going to say, it's uh, they bought... Uh, how do you... Uh, this is guys. This is going to challenge me. Instana, oh. right? Instana. Uh, I guess this happened a few years ago. I did see this before. And so I like to think of this as just like, um, like if IBM were the sports team, they're just playing the Tivoli monitoring role. It's it's just like, oh, yeah, like we always have a monitoring solution. It's uh, usually if you're old enough, you'll be like, Didn't, don't you have like a Tivoli thing? And you just plug in different acquisitions over the year. But they don't really ever go anywhere. You're always just like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. So Instana is already they're already playing that role. They just plug right in. And then I love that this is this is a absolute perfection by Gardner. The Gardner nugget is and this is what I love about Gardner is they will just take your strength and weaknesses and just use the same sentence in both parts. So the strength is, quote, IBM's client base. Of course, it's IBM's client base. Now they can go in and resell to all the people that own the Tivoli stuff. They can be like, we have a new thing. You should buy it. But what's the weakness, Matt? The weakness, Matt, is (laughs) unclear transition from legacy IBM. So it's just like, yeah, it's the same thing. Exactly. The IBM customers have the old thing. IBM's going to try to sell them the new thing. That's exactly what's going on. When Istana is done, we'll just plug in another thing in about four years, and the entire cycle gets rerun. So absolutely fantastic by Gardner stating the obvious, charging lots of money for this report and using the same sentence in almost two different sections. That is as close to jet GPT as you can get in a monitoring report <laughs> like this. And I praise them for doing it. But I've now, now, too long. Matt, tell me what you think. My question is, if you are, if you're on the sales team at, at IBM, so, I mean, you know, working in open source, you know, uh, a lot of times you're like, oh, our, you know, we, our, our competition is our open source product. For IBM, is your competition IBM? Is it like we can't sell versus, you know, people don't want to yank and Ugh. replace the Tivoli? And, uh, you know, they're happy with that and we can't upsell them to Instana? Is that like, I mean, do they do they consider their number one competitor themselves or, you know, New Relic and, and Datadog? Uh, you know, mm. what, what is, what is, you know. That's got to be a fun conversation. Well, fun. Um, you know, somebody who works in. Uh, somebody I, I, I think I think the word you're looking for is speak at legacy comp. That's it's all I a uh, it, it's a kinetic conversation. Is, yes, is what you got. Now, I I want to you know I'm always trying to think of uh, uh, synergistic business extensions for software defined talk. I think we could possibly start an analyst firm. You two will have to uh, help me remember this. Where. Our model is going to be the three fines, right? And it's essentially <laughs> going to be based on the, the question people are going to have is, does it work? And we're going to be like, mm, it's pretty fine. It's fine. 
or it's real fine, yeah. right? And we're just going to kind of like chart it across those three things. And, and the question is not going to be like, how much does it cost? Do they have vision? It's just going to be like, does this shit work? And we're going to rate it on those three dimensions. And uh, maybe, I, I don't know how the visual is going to look. I, I want to kind of avoid the circular thing because I feel like Forrester has their vortex of awesomeness. And then ThoughtWorks kind of took that over for the radar. And then O'Reilly has the radar, too. That's like a circle thing. So we might need some listeners to kind of help us out with the visualization. Stairs. Mm, stairs. Uh, an escalator into the sky. <laughs> and, and, and then I think, I think we're going to have a note in each of the reports about cost. And it's going to be like, do you want shit that works or not? And that's going to be the whole note on cost right there. Love it. Love it. Well, it's great. Well, congratulations to Stana and continue playing the Tivoli role. I think you're going to have a great three-year run there as uh, everyone makes a little bit of money and everybody knows what's happening there. Now, rounding out the uh, the leader's quadrant here is our, our final, but in some ways our favorite, in some ways, you know, just one I like to watch is Honeycomb. So they are mm. officially last in the, in the uh, leader's quadrant. I like to uh, term Honeycomb as... Uh, uh, we are observability, don't call us APM. So that's why I love that Gardner has put them into the APM category. And again, another magic analysis by Gardner. The nugget here was uh, the strength is innovative analytics, which makes sense. Uh, Honeycomb has been banging us over the head for years about how they don't need all this stuff. They have a n- unique approach. Uh, it's all about observability. And you would think they would have a great vision, right? Because they've been talking about this vision, at least in the Gardner sense of it, for a long time. But of course... The weakness that they cite is, quote, uniqueness of offering. This, I am, I, I think if I just felt bad for the product marketing team at Honeycomb to have this come out after spending years trying to redefine a whole new category, being the most unique offering in the total Magic Quadrant to the point of like, is it even makes sense to put them there? The fact that Gardner just punches them right in the face. It's like, we don't think this is unique at all. We don't think you're doing anything that's interesting. We don't care about it at all. We, and, and, and we want nothing. Uh, uh, nothing more should be said about it. I, I just felt, man, the product marketing team, real loss for them. So now, now, now let's get let's... over it. But, but that's that was a, it's kind of almost offensive. I felt offended on their behalf with that statement. Oh, okay, I, go I, ahead. And, and, and let's read the, the rest that you excerpted here. Uniqueness of offering. Again, weakness, uniqueness of offering. Honeycomb's product differs significantly from traditional APM solutions, making it difficult for end users to explain its purposes as part of the business case to obtain approval to procure it. That is like, uh, I think maybe only like Ulysses is more difficult than that sentence. Like that is, there's a lot to unpack there. That's fantastic. So basically, I think what they're saying is that their feature set even though they're so, so Gartner's proposition here, the authors of the report, which is always a big passel of people, is that they're doing APM, but the way they explain it and the vision that they have, the take that they have, is too incomprehensible to explain to procurement to justify paying for it versus something else, right? Mm. Which is like, I mean, I agree with you, Brandon. Like, it's a very bittersweet thing, right? So, you know, for Honeycomb to be in, in the quadrant, right? Like, hopefully they license this magic quadrant. That would be a real test to see, like, what they think of it, right? Interesting. But being in that quadrant is like a coup, right? Like, I mean, sounds like bonuses all around in, in product marketing over there, right? <laughs> and, however, that that explanation of it is, like, 
I don't know. I feel like I need to print that out and put it in my memory board. Well, this is, is one of those things where, like, if you're licensing the Magic Quadrant, you're like, no, no, no. We j- we just want the image of the quadrant. We actually don't want the text. Because the text is so impossible to understand. It's like, wait a minute. Like, we, we believe we've invented a whole new way of doing this. And you're telling yeah, us uh, that's the reason people don't want it. I, like, I, I, I just envision yeah. charity majors, like, reading this and just, like, literally freaking Fletching. out. Like I, I got, I got it. So, so in, 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 I mean, to, to make it more clear that she's trying to do something different and like, pe- like you could not like it, but then to just be like, you're doing something different. It'd be like answering the question with the same thing. It's like, I'm doing something different. I don't like it. You're doing something different. I know that's what I want you to know. So it's exactly, I, I think, I think in our software defined talk anal- analyst quarter, uh, what we would say corner, we, we would say, it's just crazy enough that it might work. Like, I think that's a good way of, of like summarizing this analysis. <laughs> all right. Well, now, listen, those are all the leaders. And we are going to speed through the last set here because I just grouped them. So congratulations to all the leaders. License your quadrant. Get your lead gen uh, going. But uh, a few other categories here that I just wanted to call off in kind of broad strokes. One was um, the category I'm calling... Uh, we are not a- APM. Like, why are we here? And I don't. And I think this is just Gardner. Just feels like they need more people. But they have AWS, Microsoft, VMware, and Alibaba and Oracle all in there. I, none of these companies are really APM. They, in the sense of like, yeah, sure, they have monitoring well, as other yeah. ancillary things for their core platforms and their products, but they're not really out there, if you will, on the marketing playing field. So I just think I just qualify all of them for being in the magic quadrant. If I was but, them, I would have spent one minute of reading it. Go ahead. But, Matt. but, but as a customer, you're going to ask that question. It's like, I'm all in on AWS. Why am I not just using AWS's offerings? That's why they're there it is for mm. those people who are, you know, tied to one cloud, you know, uh, you know that's AWS and Alibaba and, and, uh, and Microsoft. Yeah. I was going to say, where's Microsoft? There they are. And Oracle. And I mean, like you're there, because, you know, there's something that, you know, there's a batteries included approach. And what what Gartner uh, is saying is like the batteries are OK, but, you know, they're they're B cells and, you know, you're probably going to want double A's. And it's just like, well, I hear yeah. you. I hear. You. I guess yeah. it, to me, though, this is just self-explanatory. I mean, this is just like it, 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 it's there for completeness. The reason you read the Magic Quadrant is you've decided I don't want the default. Like everybody knows about the default. Mm. Okay, I've decided the default's not good. Now tell me what else is well, out no, there. No, no, no. But this is telling you that your default is fine. No. Look, no, you're totally smack dab in the middle. Totally you're right there. It. You're right next to Honeycomb. Hundred percent reject all of that. It's like no, no. They're just <laughs> defaults. They're just defaults. They're there. If you want the default, use the default. Don't even read the Magic Quadrant. If you're like, no, the default doesn't work all right now let me don't don't put this a uh, lot of all this other text and all these other points on here that are nonsense so i 100 percent disagree i want all of that removed and now moving on to the other category that i um i'm calling uh, i was told the test was log management again I think it's <laughs> unfair to all of these including splunk sumo logic and elastic in this magic quadrant it's just i mean again it's just like i feel like like someone brought into the class and being like well, the test is on margin. You're like, wait a minute. I'm, I'm, I, I'm not prepared. I didn't study for this. This isn't right. This is totally unfair. Most of these companies have great log management in a totally different area. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure, they have some monitoring, but none of them are there. They don't belong here. It's unfair. Gardner did them a disservice. And on behalf of them, I'm offended as well. So they should all get a free pass. Like no one should take hold their rankings against them. Kote, what yeah, are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I, I like where you're going, which is this is, too thin of a slice of the baloney 
right? Yeah. Like, like we, we want a thick slice of bologna, right? Like instead of narrowing it down to just APM, right? Like, is well, the, that the I, I only thing? the thin bologna. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, you know, it, I, I mean, this is always a problem, right? Like, uh, uh, I forget what the, uh, the, um, the, uh, is it a dichotomy? The, di- the dichromatic thing of like, uh, best of breed is right. But like, depending on the buyer, like, you know, you want everything and you're willing to sort of just say like, I would like the everything versus like the specialist thing. Like, you know, I go to the grocery store to buy most of my stuff. I don't go up to the market where I've got to visit like six different stalls. Now, one stall might have like a lot better olives and hummus than if I go down to the plus there and just buy the hummus that they have. But like, I don't have time for that shit, right? Like I I got five kids to feed. And so like, you know, I just need the one store, the plus down the street that does everything. And, And maybe that's the way that things need to be sliced is like, hey, Here's just like your overall monitoring systems management, making sure your computers aren't just like fucking around and that they're fine. Here's the way you think through that versus like if you want to go buy olives from like Marcus over there, sure, we can rate (laughs) olives. But like these are two separate buyers and two separate ways of thinking about things. So that would be a nice approach to uh, analyzing it. All right. So, so again, Gardner, it's unfair, you know, as uh, Cote said, if there's another artisanal magic quadrant, maybe we can get them in there, but that'll be for a future artisanal day. quadrant. Yes. The, now, AQ. Uh, the final group here is I'm just going to say, these are all companies. They already went to the, the private equity farm in the sky. Uh, there's the Broadcom, which has all the CA stuff. There's solar winds, there's manage engine, there's app D which owned by Cisco. So again, it's like, listen, they've already gone what new relics going through. They're down there, unfortunately, in the lower quadrant, but it's a nice place down there. It's quiet. No one really bothers you. You just renew the maintenance. Don't make too much noise. Don't don't complain too much. So I would just say enjoy the farm life there. And then finally, the last two, I didn't know what to say. I'm just going to be totally honest with you. I've never heard of either one of these. Logz.io and uh, Riverbed, which I guess owns eternity so I, I i don't know matt have you ever heard of these i i have never heard of them i have nothing to say about them i i'm gonna be interviewing the uh the head of de- developer evangelism for log z next week well good that's a great setup that's a great <laughs> setup. <laughs> we might want to cut this one. Oh, i look uh. forward to learning about it because i honestly i i did not and to be fair log z where are they which quadrant they're, they're the visionary quadrant that, that's a good um, quadrant to be in when yeah, you're when so, you're small right, and plucky. So tune in next week to hear Matt interview someone, and they can. Uh, who is the other one? Uh, Eternity, which is owned by Riverbed. I didn't. I just. I'm, I'm not even saying they're bad. I just don't know. This is like I've been out of touch, right? Again, I'm still it's looking a big for the right? that, That's why you know you you see that 65 million dollar bill, and you're like, I need a monitoring startup. Well, I think yeah. that's where we should end this incredibly long segment. So, if you made it this far, I think the lesson here, the reason that everyone starts monitoring companies is to become the data dog. But even when you fail as a monitoring company, because we didn't even go over it, when you look at a Cote's IDC report, over 40% or just under 40% is rest of market. And there are just a whole bunch of companies out there 
just chugging along, making a real healthy uh, monitoring profit. And I think that's why all these private equity companies like it. Because once you're in this company, the ELAs just renew and the maintenance or the SaaS subscription goes on forever. So congratulations to all the leaders. I look forward in five years when I actually take the time to read the next Magic Quadrant. Will actually be interesting to see who's left. So it was it was fun fun to look at uh, to if you will revisit an old uh, uh, bar, if you will, in, in your world. Well, speaking of revisiting old bars, so to speak, uh, there's a lot of conferences coming up many of which I will be involved in. I know Matt will as well. Uh, we got to get Brandon out there some more. Now, as, as if you listen to the after show, I think last week, if you're interested in uh, media sponsorships, having us advertise for your conference, maybe even come and cover your conference, you should contact us. Because basically, if you uh, kind of arrange, which is to say, pay our travel and expenses to go to your conference, we would be happy to cover it and go over it. I'm very well trained as an analyst. I'm not biased by being sent somewhere. And and as we have just proven, my other two co-hosts are trained in that as well. <laughs> Anyhow, there, there are several uh, conferences coming up. June 1st, I'll be giving the keynote at the uh, VMware uh, user group, the VMUG uh, at Belgium and Brussels. It's totally free, so you should come to see it. I've got a lot of webinars that I'm doing, and I'll, I'll be um, I, you know speaking. There's a pre-recorded talk I'm giving at PlatformCon. Uh, that's June 8th and 9th, which should be fun. Uh, and uh, Matt Ray will be at FinOps X in San Diego, June 27th and 30th. That's a fantastic time to be in San Diego, uh, by the way, perhaps the best time. And then uh, there's only two more I'm going to go over, which is August 21st to 24th in Las Vegas. We're going to have Spring One and VMware Explorer US, and uh, I'll more than likely be there unless something crazy happens. And then I'll be giving the keynote at DevOps Days Des Moines in Iowa, September 6th and 7th. If you want to see a few other conferences and check those out, if you go to softwaredefinedtalk.com slash 416, you can see that list of conferences. Also, I put a list of things I'll be doing in my newsletter, which is at newsletter.cote.io, which is a fantastic newsletter. You should subscribe to it if you don't. If you've listened this far, you will enjoy it. You know, I like seeing the numbers go up. Why not? So with that, uh, Brandon, do we have any bureaucracy? Just a couple things. One, uh, I sent stickers to George and Round Rock. And if you'd like a sticker, all you have to do is send your postal address to stickers at softwaredefinedtalk.com. And I will be happy to send you a sticker anywhere in the world. Also, there's uh, a lot of nonsense links this week. There's just some that were especially funny. We won't go into this week, but I'm just going to read this headline. It's a uh, quote, a Texas A&M commerce rodeo instructor failed his entire class due to a basic misunderstanding of how chat GPT works. So I think it's just a great article. You just need to read it start to finish. I mean, the headline says it all, but it's still fun to fun to uh, check out. So, you know, enjoy it. Enjoy Rodeo and ChatGPT. I love it. So it sounds like something that the uh, the two UT alums here would really enjoy digging into and, and uh, <laughs> knowing about. <laughs> uh, well, so Matt Ray, what's your recommendation for this week? Uh, my recommendation is uh, I go have a picnic. Uh <laughs> Uh, we went for a lovely drive in the uh, the Blue Mountains this last weekend, and uh, brought uh, brought a big uh, brought a big tablecloth or you know a, a blanket and uh, some sandwiches and some chips. Just sat out in the sunshine and enjoyed uh, enjoyed a picnic and a beautiful garden up in the Blue Mountains. So uh, just do that. Go uh, go relax. How about yourself, Brandon? 
I like it, Matt, advocating the uh, official touch grass movement, I think is how the kids are referring to it. So, yeah, uh-huh. I like that, Matt. Good job. Well, uh, when you're not touching grass and you get uh, lots of emails, you sh- what you should do is you should download the new uh, Mindstream. So this is like this. I think I recommended it a while back. It was in beta. Essentially, it's a Gmail client uh, for the Mac, but it's like really well done. So it's like, you know, basically it comes down to this. If you're dissatisfied with Gmail in the browser and you want something um, that's like really well made and like I think has real polish on it, check out Mindstream. If you're not that person, this product is not for you. So that's, it's that simple, but I like it. You do have to buy it now. I think it was uh, $25 on promo and it'll be like $50 a year. So it's probably a little, it's a little bit on the pricey side, but I really enjoy it. So check it out if you're looking for something better in your email. Well, I have an anti-recommendation and a recommendation. My recommendation is kind of in the line of uh, Matt's recommendation. But first, my anti-recommendation is I was very excited when ChatGPT released this like web browsing feature. And my anti-recommendation is that it's total bullshit. I have tried to use it many times, and I feel like I will die before it gives me a result. Like you can expand the thing out, and it's like searching the web clicking on this, searching, clicking, and it never comes up with anything. I don't understand what the problem is. It's just like, uh, now you'll have to help me out with here, Matt Ray. I think they can just like open up a shell and use curl or something and like get a web page to like summarize it for me. But it's just like they need to try harder. I don't know what the deal is. <laughs> now, my other rec- my, my positive recommendation, speaking of uh, uh, the weather around here, until I came here, I didn't really understand this thing that I had seen uh, other people doing, which is you wear a hoodie on top and shorts on bottom. And this is something that you should look into, right? Because, like, you don't want to be the person when it's cold who's just wearing shorts and a T-shirt because you're just like, you know, what, what are you doing here? But if you wear the hoodie on top, you can kind of keep warm here and you can have the shorts below and your legs are actually fine. Now, the males among us, We've probably noticed that they're like the uh, uh, other people uh, of of other uh, genders or whatnot. They often will wear uh, their legs exposed or just tights when it's really cold. And I always think like, aren't they freezing? Because I'm used to wearing pants, which is my whole point here. But really, you can kind of warm up your top and like be fine with your legs, like kind of cooling off and be the radiator for, for what's happening there. So check that out. If you're living in a climate like, like I am here where it's kind of cool in the morning and it gets a little warm during the day and then cool at night, uh, you know, put something, put a jacket, a hoodie on top and shorts on bottom. All right. And with that, <laughs> this has been another sartorial recommendation from your friends at Software Defined Talk. You can get the show notes for this episode if you go to softwaredefinedtalk.com slash 416. As Brandon mentioned, there's all sorts of links that we haven't mentioned, uh, conference stuff, you know, many other things you might be interested in. You can also subscribe to a newsletter that sends that out. You should join our Slack channel where we discuss all sorts of uh, exciting things stuff we talk about here and other stuff. If you And if you go to softwaredefinedtalk.com, you can find a link to the Slack uh, to join, as long as Brandon has remembered to update the invite. And with that, we'll see everyone next time. Bye-bye. Bye. I think, I think this is the thing that I've learned over here, is like when you live in a part of the world where the sun does not normally appear, appear you're sort of like, sunscreen? I don't know what you're talking about. I, I like how we opened the um, podcast talking about prunes and yogurt, which is definitely <laughs> a little bit older. That's a little bit older demographic. But then Cote uh-huh. like takes it to rec- basically recommending uh, d- dressing like a, a, a preteen boy.
Okay, everyone's finished eating. That's always the first rule of podcasting. Don't don't uh don't eat. I gotta get a drink here. Okay, drink. Yep. Get it all. Coffee's done.